0: This episode of Ready or Not is sponsored by our Pilates, an online Pilates platform created to help you feel good about moving your body. Designed by physiotherapist and new mum Han McKim, the pre- and postnatal classes focus on all areas that mums and mums-to-be need most. Han filmed these classes throughout her own pregnancy so that she can help strengthen, lengthen and support you through yours. As a special offer to listeners of Ready or Not, our Pilates founders, Brooke Hogan and Han McKim, are offering 14 days free of charge to help you kickstart your Pilates routine. Simply use the coupon Ready or Not when you sign up to redeem this offer.
1: I wouldn't say that I found having Remy difficult. I would say having two businesses with a baby and a stepson has, has been difficult. really struggled with, um, with my identity and what's left of me and who I am now but I'm working on it. Tapping the bouncer with my foot at the same time and then I've got a phone call here, I've got an email here and it's great to have breastfeeding in your tool belt, but it's not the be-all and end-all. And what we're trying to do in our messaging is to know that there's more than one way to
0: feed your baby and to parent. Phoebe Simmons is the co-founder of The Memo and the founder of The Blow. She's worked for some of the biggest beauty brands in the world, has lived in London, Singapore and Sydney, and now works and lives in Melbourne with her partner Sean, Sean son, tyler and their son, Remy. Sean tragically lost his former partner, Tyler's mother, many years before he and Phoebe came to be, so her introduction to parenting is quite unique. Phoebe's pregnancy was also not without its stressors, with the diagnosis of cervical insufficiency, a condition in which the cervix opens too early and therefore runs a risk of a preterm birth. I love Phoebe's positive attitude to life and to work and the way she uses the term paid work. Because as we all know, you might not get paid to parent, but you definitely work. Here, we talk launching her two businesses, navigating becoming a parent figure early in a relationship, the challenge of remaining present and why she wants to see less of an emphasis placed on breastfeeding. I'm Lucinda. This is Ready or Not, and here is the optimistic and outstanding Phoebe Simmons. Phoebe, thank you so much for being on the show. Just before we started recording, I said you've ticked both boxes. You've had huge professional and personal experiences. Can you please start by just introducing yourself and your family?
1: Yeah, sure. My name is Phoebe Simmons. I am the co-founder of The Memo and the founder of The Blow, I live in Melbourne with my
0: fiance, Sean, and um, Sean's son, Tyler, and our son, Remy. So, as you said, you are the founder of two businesses, but before they came to be, what did career life look like for Phoebe in the lead up to these big businesses opening? Very busy, very
1: ambitious. Um, I My background has always been in brand and beauty marketing. I Started off my career, I guess you'd say, when I was at uni, um, at Melbourne Uni, and I was working in the head office at Mecca. After uni, I moved over to London and worked for a skincare company called Nude Skincare, and that was two years into my time there. It was acquired by LVMH, which is Louis Vuitton Moët Hennessy. And that opened up a whole world of opportunities for me where I was spending a lot of time with Parfum Christian Dior in Paris and um, great exposure to the US um, and European markets. After four years in London, I was really keen to move to, uh, I wasn't quite ready to move home yet, um, so I was quite keen to move to Singapore. And I transferred um, within LVMH to Benefit Cosmetics where my role there was to expand benefits presence across the Sephora businesses that were expanding quite rapidly throughout Southeast Asia. And then I was ready to come home after 18 months and I um, moved to Sydney as marketing director for Benefit Cosmetics Australia. So a lot of um, real interest in luxury beauty, luxury retail Brand building, that was really drummed into me from a very early age, how important it is to stand for something so that you can stand out as a brand with a really clear set of DNA values and positioning in the market. So my passion and my purpose is to create brands that really mean something to women. Um, And that's been kind of the driving force of my decisions to open my businesses.
0: So then in 2018, after these huge experiences overseas and then in Sydney, you opened the blow. Can you tell us a bit about opening and starting that business? Sure. Um, so when I was with Benefit, I travel a lot to the US and I would
1: see that a lot of North American women in professional careers were turning to blow dries weekly or twice weekly to feel more polished and powerful. Um. I thought there was an opportunity to bring the same service that was offered to women in America to Australia. A blow dry bars did exist in Australia, but I thought that we could do better Um. to create a destination that would really meet the needs of women like me, which is a consistent service, a competitive price, a convenient location, a really cool aesthetic that you'd want to feel a part of, and a really big um, energy and emphasis on community. Um, So I created The Blow as a place where women could come together to lift each other up. Um, As you've heard from my background, I'm not a hairstylist, so I really lean on my team of experts to do that. But it's, you know, we are really focused on creating a feeling, a service, an experience that's so much more than a salon. So, um, you know, we can we can transform people's hair, which is amazing. It's forty-five minutes. It's with a blow dry. But uh, I'm more interested in what we can do to transform um, people's confidence on the inside and um, really making people's day. So we opened our flagship in Little Collins Street, which is in the heart of the Melbourne CBD in 2018. And we now have a concept within Sephora called the Blow on the Go, which is fast and effortless dry styles. So we create signature blocks. You can walk in with um, clean, dry hair and have your hair kind of styled really effortlessly in um, 15 to 30 minutes. And um, and our plan is to expand those into more Sephora's over the
0: coming months and years. Amazing. That would uh, be enough for a lot of people. But then the very next year, your friend and co-founder comes to you with another idea. Can you tell us a bit about the memo and that story of starting and how it's progressed today? Yes, of course. Um, So I actually,
1: I had no understanding um, with of the baby industry. I was single at the time that Kate came to me with her own experience. So it was actually a very simple yes um, when I started to look into it. So Kate, when she came to me with her idea for the memo was um, on her maternity leave with her second child. Both times she had become, was so excited when she became pregnant. But her experience at Big Box Baby Retail left her with a lot of questions and not a lot of answers. You know, she'd run into one of those stores and there were just so many options. And she thought that there was an opportunity to create a destination um, of really curated products. None of the crap, none of the clutter, just the things that women and parents Would actually need the way that she was able to curate the list was she knew that from her own experience, a lot of her friends and herself included had shared around a list. So there was a list from her friends who were like, "Get this product. Don't worry about this one. Borrow this from me. You're going to need six of this. This is absolutely the best. Use this when you're traveling. Like lots of tips and tricks, but you know none of the bf it was very clear cut and direct and um obviously she could trust her friends who had been there and done that and you know there there wasn't that feeling in the industry that you could trust the industry because there was a lot of crap being sold to you that you didn't actually need so she had the idea she came to me and we kind of went from there so her her real focus was curation and finding the products that were worth the hype, um, you know, cutting out the ones that weren't and, and bringing on board the ones that you really actually needed to feel more confident and prepared in the lead up to your child's birth and that was really important to us that curation and having it all in one space because when she was you know she was looking through the list that she had originally been given from her friend she was having to buy them from a lot of different Mm. places so we wanted to create a place that sold only the best and brightest brands for pregnancy postpartum and parenting that curated edit of only the essentials with options that cater for price and lifestyle and taste that feel-good experience that would remove the clutter and the judgment and the soapboxing and the assumed knowledge that um, she felt. And I definitely felt when I looked into it was way too prevalent in the baby industry. And yeah, it was really easy for me. I, you know, she pitched the idea and, you know, both of us had only ever worked really in beauty, a little bit of. She'd done a little bit of fashion as well. And um, she was a brand buyer for Mecca and David Jones and Maya. She went on maternity leave. And when I started looking into the industry, I was really shocked. It, it felt really outdated. There was a lot of discounting. The language was incredibly juvenile. It didn't speak to me at all as what I would say is a professional, sophisticated woman who's used to expecting a certain level of brand emotion and um, service experience. There was way too much choice and not a lot of catering to the actual customer considering who we actually are and what we actually need. I thought there was an opportunity to create a brand that would be a destination for parents, a place for inspiration, connection, and education that would help them feel really good about this time in their lives rather than overwhelmed and confused. So essentially we just thought the parents deserved better and we set out to to deliver it.
0: It definitely sort of aligns with the excitement that you should feel when you're going through those motions too, rather than going onto these really uninspiring websites and as you say, clicking one link here and one link there and wondering yeah. where, where everything's going to arrive and when, etc. So I think you nailed it. I've already told you how much I love the memo. You then went on to add a brick and mortar store for the first time last year, about six months ago. Can you tell us a bit about that and any future plans around that?
1: Yeah, definitely. We always wanted to do bricks and mortar, but it was just a um it was just a matter of when and resources. And we've always been hugely ambitious because we believe that we are serving a really big need for parents in Australia. It's just being able to reach them. So we opened the e-commerce store in October 2019 and just a few months later, COVID happened and online shopping saw huge growth. And we were able to really double down in those first two years and learn a lot about our customer and expand our product range. So I think when we started, we had about 90 brands, and we now are at around 200. Oh, yeah. um, that
0: would have been such an interesting time for market research, too.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, like, for example, you know, gift registries we knew were really big opportunities for us, um, but baby showers weren't happening in some mm-hmm. states, you know, and that there was still a need to, you know, make that time special for yourself and, you know, for your friends to be involved. So, Online delivery was obviously um, really important there and, you know, it really emphasize those essentials. And and I guess a lot of research that people were doing um, and wanting to make the right decisions and be really informed as they went into this time. Last, yeah, three years, we've had lots of lessons, lots of challenges in growth. We started off doing everything ourselves in a tiny um, little warehouse and um, we've moved warehouses or five times. I can't even keep track. Oh, wow. (laughs) Five, five times. And, you know, we've, we've learned there's areas of the business where we're not experts and where we need to lean on the experts and build our team out with those leaders. And we now have around 25 staff and we hope to be able to roll out more stores over the next 18 months. So we're obviously looking at Sydney, um, another in Melbourne, Brisbane,
0: the world, who knows, wherever you want us, basically. We'll, um, we'll go where you guys are. So then you, I guess, become a mother figure before becoming a mother yourself. Can you tell us a bit about that experience of mothering Sean's son? Yeah, sure. So um, I met Sean
1: in April 2020. Um, so just as COVID had started. And at that time, Sean had a, her three and a half year old son named Tyler. Tyler's now um, almost six. When, when we met Sean had been single parenting Tyler for three years, Um, Tyler's just under three years, and Tyler's mum, Sam, passed away when Tyler was seven months old. Meeting Sean or being with Sean meant that I stepped into the role of eventually step parent, I guess. And it was great, like it's such a privilege, Um, it made things a lot more interesting and fun um and yeah it's it's been an incredible experience and one that I don't take for granted um it started off pretty hard I guess just we who's got whose place um but you know and you know big toddler feelings at three and a half you know as with everything it it takes time and um and now now that I had given birth to Remy um, in May 2022, Um, so he's almost eight months old, and seeing our family be able to come together like that, it's really kind of completed that unit and seeing Tyler be um, an older brother and, you know, Sean didn't think that he would have the opportunity to have another child or or be this this family, and I definitely um, didn't know where my life was going to be as a single person at the start of covid um, so yeah, it's been, it's been, uh, an amazing experience. Very lucky.
0: I can imagine a very special journey with a lot of feelings and a lot of mo- emotions. So that's so nice that you've all been able to come together. So then, as you say, you gave birth to Remy last year. When you're starting to talk about becoming pregnant, how do you feel about that career-wise? You've opened this business. It's in, I guess, like a hyper growth and learning stage. How do you feel about getting pregnant and thinking about stepping back for maternity leave?
1: I didn't, I hadn't, I mean, I did have to step back, I guess, physically, but... Um, with running my own business or two businesses and with teams that rely on you, you can't really switch off ever um, I felt very comfortable doing it because I have amazing teams you know Kate's an incredibly supportive business partner and this was always something that I wanted and you know even though I'm a uh, I would say I'm an ambitious person, I'm a driven person at the end of the day, it's very important to me that I prioritize things that are, that are going to be there forever. And obviously family is one of those things. So, um, and it just has brought so much joy, but yes, it's very, very hard to have a business and a baby. It's very, very hard to have two businesses and a baby. And I find it very, very hard to have two businesses, a baby and a stepson. You can't compartmentalize. That's, that's one thing that I've found really hard. There's never been a switch off when you're trying to, I, I feel I feel it's very di- difficult to be present. Like I'm always doing one thing, thinking of the next. And, and I think as well, having one foot in my old life and one foot out of it where I'm used to running at a million miles an hour and now I just can't. Um, and so, yeah, it's 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 taken a huge amount of adjustment surrender or understanding that I wouldn't say I'm definitely there yet, but I know where I need to be. Um, and I'm kind of on that path and I think I just have to be patient not be too hard on myself and just try and do what I can. It's, it's been tough. I wouldn't say I've, I've had a, Remy has been a pretty good baby. He's had to just get on with it and just come with me wherever. Um, at least for the first couple of months. And so I wouldn't say that the baby things hard, particularly because I had Sean who had already been there and done that. So I didn't suffer mm-hmm. from like a crisis of confidence that I think a lot, of, understandably a lot of new parents feel when they're like Googling and what about this? And what about this? Like Sean, Sean knew, even though his experience was obviously very different to mine,
0: you know, it, he just, he just knew. Mm-hmm. That's was. a really interesting perspective. He'd been through it before.
1: Mm, exactly, and so um, it's. I didn't. I wouldn't say that I found having Remy difficult. I would say having two businesses with a baby and a stepson has has been difficult, and particularly on my identity. Like I really lost myself. I had, you know, breastfeeding. It just takes so much out of you, and so much oh, Yeah, I was talking to Christina from Golden Bump yesterday, and. You know that placenta when it comes out of you, it's huge. It's like it mm. dip, like it leaves this this empty space that has been filled for around nine months, and and then that's gone, and it takes a long time to fill that back up again. So yeah, it's a huge assault on the body, and obviously all the hormones in your mind, and yeah. So i really struggled with um
0: with my identity and what's left of me and who I am now, but I'm working on it. Yeah, we're always learning, aren't we? And so if I take you back actually to before you give birth, owning two businesses and being pregnant is a lot anyway, but you actually had a pretty stressful pregnancy towards the end. Can you tell us a bit about that and how that sat alongside work? Yeah, sure. So um,
1: I... At 20, yeah, just over 20 weeks, I went in for my scan and the doctor, the scanner, whatever, had delivered some pretty um, urgent, serious news um, where my cervix had shrunk from about 40 millimetres to 13 millimetres and then the next week it had shrunk to four millimetres. You need your cervix to be about 25 millimetres to carry a baby safely to full term um, or that's kind of what they what. would like to see on those scans. So four millimeters, basically it meant that I could have, that my body was for some reason preparing to go into labor. And obviously at 20, 21 weeks, that would have been, um, incredibly dangerous for the baby. And so I had a, I was put on immediate bed rest and they also put a stitch, um, to kind of hold my cervix together that worked. So I, um, you know, I, I was, for the first probably up to about 30 weeks, I was still being taking things very, very easily. And like by bed rest, like, you know, you're literally on your back. And there are a lot of women, a lot of women who have this um, condition who are actually hospitalized and on bed rest for months at a time happens a lot with twins other high-risk reasons um it's quite Victorian. like you're on your back your legs are up um there's (laughs) little, one thing else they can do but luckily because of where we're at and for many reasons it made it was the right call to have the stitch for my body um and then that was taken out at I, i started to be a bit more mobile and um get on with things from around 30 weeks. And then um, they cut the stitch at 37 weeks. And then I ended up giving birth to Remy at 38 and six weeks. So yeah, it was really stressful. It was really, really stressful.
0: And how did that go with you identity wise? I guess you're this mover and shaker who's constantly moving, constantly on the go. A lot of us, I guess, feel like you know, we've got this many weeks till our baby comes and then we might be switching off for a bit. But instead, I guess you still had been working, but you had to lay low for a bit. How did that go for you identity-wise? It was like a complete, it was like being hit by a bus.
1: It was really hard um, because, yeah, as you said, I was just so used to running at a million miles an hour. But like, I mean, this was the universe telling me that I had to slow down. Um, And so I had to just take that and, you know, it was... I felt guilty, like that, you know, the rest of my team were having to forge on and like as if I was being lazy and lying on my back all day. Um, you know, mentally, I was really worried that I was going to struggle because I rely on exercise for endorphins and I wasn't able to do that. Um, I was like, oh my God, am I going to get a blood clots? Like just all of those kind of things. Like the first time, like, mum and I went for a walk around the block, like it was like, oh my God, you know. It's ridiculous. It's just, it was full on. Um, so full yeah, on. Yeah, but we just adapted and you're flexible and you know it's not forever and, you know, boo-hoo, everyone has their thing and that was mine, um, how lucky that I was able to um, conceive and have a baby at all. So, yeah, it was just I guess a little bit. You know, my sister gave me really good advice. She was, And I think this plays into this narrative that we see online that I'm really keen to talk to with the memo is you think from looking at Instagram that there's such a thing as a perfect pregnancy and there isn't you know you see countless times of countless experiences that people share maybe not enough of um of real royal pregnancy real world birth and real world per- postpartum it is not someone standing with an open row in a field of flowers, holding their bump, you know, at golden hour. Like it's not. Really?
0: Um, so my that would dis- actually be really hard to organise. Oh, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. And you know, my sister said, um, you know, you you think that there's such a thing as this perfect pregnancy, but the whole point of being pregnant is to have a baby. I'm
0: like, yeah. She's like, oh, you're right. <laughs>
1: have your baby. Don't worry about the pregnancy. Um, you know, not everything has to be a good, a good experience to be Mm. the right experience, I guess.
0: I guess you also probably learned a lot of things a little bit earlier because I think, you know, being a new mum brings up so much. So you just learned all these extra learnings earlier about surrendering and giving in. So that was a huge experience for you. So then if I take you to having Remy, what was your structure set up in terms of being a business owner? and taking maternity leave or how did you work that I guess? Um, I don't know Um, (laughs) so I
1: I had always planned to come back to paid work three months in and so I did do that. Before that I was you know I probably had a couple of weeks of you know no emails and just Time at home, um, but then I started to get out and about a little bit more and catch up with meetings and just kind of check in on certain things that I could be useful for. And then, yeah, so I've been back to work for a while now, I've paid work for a while now. And um, with the memo, I do three contracted days, and then you know I do one to two days on the blow, depending on on the week, and just kind of do what I can. And I have a really great support network around me um, we have someone who comes and cares for our family two days a week and then Remy will go into daycare uh, for two days from next month so when he's yeah you know, around eight eight and a half months um so yeah it's that that I think will free me up a little bit more because working trying to work and trying to care particularly as he's growing and being more like you know mum, mum 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 and you know rolling and um he's not just sleeping through the day it's much harder and um I find it quite difficult and frustrating to be honest.
0: Mm. What do you think has been your biggest challenge or learning so far? It's just this thing about being
1: present I'm trying to do one thing well but I'm tapping the bouncer with my foot at the same time. And then I've got a phone call here. I've got an email here. And um, I guess it's just kind of structuring my day um, so that there's a little bit more, yeah, I, I guess structure. And if I have to work a little bit at night, then I have to work a little bit at night. And luckily I've got a team who are very supportive and adaptable and flexible. And, you know, I really tried to, Empower them to be a lot more autonomous um, and delegate as much as I could, which is always a good thing for everyone's growth. But there's still things when you run your own business that people are gonna going to need
0: you for, and um, and so I'm just
1: just trying to be there for that.
0: And how are you feeling about starting daycare next month? Does it bring up emotions for you? Are you excited? Are you both? Oh, yeah, no, I'm fine. It's just part of it, right? It's
1: good. I mean, Tyler was in daycare from I think three was it three days, three or four days, um, from about six months. I think it's really great. It'll mean that they're a lot they're socialized. There's only so many rattles I can shake at Remy. Like I think that the educators will be able to really um evolve his his experience a lot more and and make him I think they'll help grow him um, in ways that I would never have the creativity or be patience to do so no I think it's it's this whole thing about a village and you know it's just about when I come home it's making the most of my time with him I'm still breastfeeding a couple of times a day so we've got that that bond still. But I don't know how much longer that will last. I think we'll probably ease that off soon.
0: That's a great outlook. We're at a very uh, similar stage to Ray is starting daycare next month and I'm slowly starting to drop feeds now. But I love that outlook because I'm quite excited for daycare too. But I'm like, am I just going to fall into a heap when he goes on day one? Hopefully not.
1: But he might. might,
0: And that's okay. (laughs) Like that's supernatural.
1: Like I'm sure that that's a very common experience and maybe I will too, but that's, that's an emotion, and then we move on. Like, what's the other option to not do it? Um, so yeah, no,
0: it's I think it's really good. And yeah. I love that outlook. I'm gonna have you in my ears as I'm driving to daycare, I reckon, maybe literally through this podcast, but otherwise, I'm going to channel that energy.
1: <laughs> you drive out of daycare with like
0: all by myself by Celine, yeah.
1: <laughs> ranked, <laughs> or maybe freedom by George Michael. I don't know, yeah, yes. Like,
0: well, I don't know. I'll have them both ready in a daycare place, yes, yeah. I'll let you know how I'd go. Um, you're obviously very passionate about supporting women, supporting families, just as a person, but also through the work that you do. If you could solve one problem for families and working mothers today, or if you could reduce the challenges somewhat, what would be the way you'd go about that? There's an obvious there's
1: two quite obvious ones for me. I think less emphasis on breastfeeding and and pressure on um, women to to deliver that. I think it's you know one thing that we're seeing so much in our communities how the feelings that come with being able to with not being able to breastfeed and and why that's the case. Um, I think it's completely um, gendered and unfair. And it's great to have breastfeeding in your tool belt, but it's not the be all and end all. And I hope that women, you know, in time, you know, what we're trying to do in our messaging is to know that there's more than one way to feed your baby and to parent. And we're here to support you through um, any of your decisions. Um, You've got to do what's right for you um, just as much as what's right for the baby. And then, You know, a big personal one for me is um, sharing the mental load and I think more, um, and I'm going to use the word men in, um, you know, in hetero relationships, men taking more responsibility and input in preparing for life with a newborn and actually understanding the complexities of particularly postpartum But perhaps if it was to start in pregnancy and then birth, it might be easier. You know, even with me who has a partner who was a single parent for three years and so probably knows a bit more about it um, than most, I would still say that there have been times when, you know, I've felt very alone and um, not able to express how it's harsh. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think just even just just typical patriarchy things, like who's the one? Particularly if you're taking if you're if you're doing unpaid leave, unpaid work at home, because you're home and they're back at work. Meanwhile, my partner was back at work in eight days. He owns his own business too. Like that was hard. Um, but if you're home, then it's expected that you're also taking on a lot of domestic duties and the mental load around the one doing the daycare visits and doing the shopping and buying the birthday presents. And the thing is that that can carry on for months and years um, if you're not able to communicate or strike the right balance with your partner. Um, And I think it's something that I personally have really struggled with and I think it's quite common um, for a lot of
0: new mums. What you said about breastfeeding is actually really interesting too, because I've been thinking a lot about how firstly maternity leave or parental leave, but usually maternity leave in hetero relationships is angled towards letting the woman stay at home. But then also breastfeeding attaches you to the baby, but it also brings so much. Like then if I'm breastfeeding and we're going out, I'm the designated driver and it's all these little things that add up and you're like, this is all falling on me and the baby's with me because yes, I do want to breastfeed at the moment, but then he's attached to me and I can only give him to the dad for say, now it's more like four hours at a time, but it's huge. And it it brings in so much that is really hard to explain. So I love the way you put that. That's really important advice. I think my last question, before we move on to our follower questions, if you could give one piece of advice to a Pregnant person who also owns a business about that sort of balance between parenting and career, what would your advice be?
1: Oh, my God, don't do it. No, I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> I
1: think it's just to be ready for how difficult it could be. I think preparing your team, like empowering your team to make decisions in your absence and being re- really stick about what you're going to be able to achieve in a day and to not try and do it all um, because it's
0: just impossible and you'll, you'll be um, spread out too thin. Yeah, you'll be falling short everywhere if we all just keep trying to go at 100% in everything, won't we? Yeah. So then we got some great follower questions, Phoebe. The first person says, which more of a statement but I've turned it into a bit of question, is how she got the goddamn guts to start those businesses. <laughs> Oh
1: look, I mean why not, right? Life is for yes people. It just makes it so much more interesting if you um if you go for it. For me, I've never really worried about the nitty-gritty. I'm not a details person. So you can do all the spreadsheets and business plans in the world, but you can never prepare for those macro or those micro conditions that will affect your success. Like who would have known that COVID was going to happen? Not a lot or the rise in interest rates over the last few months that impacts retail. I think at the end of the day, if you're an instinctive person um, and you're guided by that and if it feels right, it probably is, and you'll figure everything else out along the way. There's never going to be answers all tied up in a nice bowl at the start of the journey. you just got to go for it
0: and, and learn and stumble your way through. So the next one is the nitty-gritty of how weeks work and any practical organisational tips. Oh, man, I'm not the right person to ask.
1: Um, I think one thing that I find really helpful, just this is probably just more um, a work management thing, is I always block out my time in my calendar for tasks. So if I have to write product copy or write an email or respond to this or think about, I have to go on and think about an answer or a solution to this, I'll block that out in my day just to make sure that, you know, I'm, been, I'm prioritizing the things that are gonna keep on moving forward. Um, I actually find 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. really hard, particularly probably three to five, where things are still happening in the office, but I'm um, I'm doing unpaid work at home with school pickups and getting snacks and whatever else is involved so i think it's just maybe you just for me is like cut my losses there and just not try and work and be connected at that time and then i i think it's really important for me personally is to make time for moving my body so to try and set out about 20 minutes a day. I mean, gone are the days where I'd go to a one hour Pilates class. Like it's just not going to happen. So I might do a 15 or a 20 minute class. And I know that when I do that, I feel so much better. You know, I've actually done something for myself that day.
0: What about the highs and lows of being a working parent?
1: Um, I think the lows is like
0: when you're hung over. No, maybe not just that. Yeah, um, that's a terrible
1: one. <laughs> <laughs> Um resentment, resentment for your partner. Like both of us are working hard and we're tired and stressed. And um, I guess communicating and understanding each other and yeah, just working through that. The highs for me are the fact that I can go to work and really um be myself and um know that success isn't just about your Family, it's about yourself and your passion and purpose. So it's not just about being one thing, it's about being a million little things. Um, so I really, even though I've kind of explained how I find it hard, I still think it's worthwhile um, because it's always been something that makes me really happy um, connecting with people and coming to work to do things that I believe are important and to celebrate successes and to have great banter and yeah feel like you're doing something um, beyond just your family so that that's that's for me personally um, as someone who's always worked.
0: Because I'm about three quarters of the way into maternity leave I actually think about sort of walking through the office doors again and it does excite me in the early days it daunted me but now I'm like oh I can just walk down and get a coffee with my workmates. How amazing yeah. is that gonna be? Yeah. Well, so there are right. lots of highs, which I think is really nice for people to hear if they're currently on parental leave. And our last question for you from someone who obviously is equally obsessed with the memo is what's next for you guys? Oh, um,
1: what's not next? Um Education is a really big one, so we're really leaning into that arm of the business this year and helping you understand pregnancy, postpartum and parenting even more with experts, pers- uh, more personalised experiences that are targeted to you and where you're at as a parent and more stores, um, I guess. And I guess the question back to you is like, what What would you like to see DM us and tell us? Yeah, we'd love to know and um, keep on yeah, pushing further and disrupting the industry and doing more for you, it's important.
0: I'm sure you will, so that's really exciting. Where can people find you online if they want to look for your businesses or for you personally? Sure, so The Memo
1: is thememo.com.au. On Instagram, we're from The Memo. And The Blow is theblow.com.au. And on Instagram, we're The Blow Australia. And my
0: Instagram is actually. Awesome. Thanks so much for this. There's a lot to be taken out from being a pretty amazing small business owner and a mother too. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Lucinda. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Ready or Not. If you liked the show, please tell your friends, subscribe or write a review. You can also find us on Instagram at readyornot.pod. In acknowledging the traditional owners of country throughout Australia... Each episode, I'll be doing a shout out to an Indigenous business or charity doing great things. This week, it's Aboriginal Art Co., an Aboriginal-led not-for-profit connecting consumers with authentic and ethically sourced Aboriginal art and products. You can find them on Instagram at aboriginalartco.au. That's it for today. We'll see you next time.